0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the hockey news i'm your host nick verlansky joined as always by nick Horwat. and the month of november is almost to its end one day left one game left for the pittsburgh penguins and with that we will look ahead later in the show to a december preview for what the pittsburgh penguins can expect in the final month of 2023 but before we get to that The bottom six seems like it's kind of fading into the background as of now. Some players have found their role. They're playing well. Others have kind of taken a step back and continue... To regress. So what can the Penguins do? Who do the Penguins need to revitalize that bottom six and maybe solidify it, especially now that Drew O'Connor is up on the second line? Speaking of Drew O'Connor in the second line, Evgeny Malkin is not having the best of times for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Despite scoring a goal in his last game, he has cooled off considerably from his hot start when he was joking about, hey, if the season ended today, maybe I'd win the Hart Trophy. Uh, those days are well in the past, and I think Evgeny Malkin has cooled off uh, pretty considerably, and that's where we're going to start today. Horwat. before we get into that, pens lose to the Nashville Predators. I'll let you uh, say your piece because I don't think you've had any opportunity. Was that interference on Ryan O'Reilly in overtime?
0: <laughs> haven't had my opportunity to mo- write multiple stories that it was a blatantly missed, <laughs> blatantly missed interference. The only issue is that the more you look at it, the more I, the first time I saw it, I thought it was Ryan O'Reilly dragging Uh, Eric Carlson out of the play all the way around it was Eric Carlson kind of holding the stick of Ryan O'Reilly so you have to call something there I mean if you call if you're calling the Carlson one no harm no foul they win in 14 seconds Um, but at the same time looking at it at full speed and even in slow motion really yeah that's interference on on uh, Crosby there that's pretty blatant interference missed by their officials the one thing that if you miss a call so be it missed calls happen all the time we all watch all sports missed calls happen all the time i feel like the only sport where it doesn't happen is tennis and that's because they use robots yeah but that's not the discussion we're having here calls get missed i think the only holdup that everyone should be upset about and because i'm never on for you know blaming officiating blaming your loss on one missed call how about an explanation? How about yeah. a simple, hey, let me just go skate over to the captain or skate over to the head coach and tell them why we're not calling it or what they were looking at, which was clearly just looking for offsides. It's clearly all they were looking for. Um, not getting the explanation is the biggest reason why most people have so many issues with NA- with the NHL, the NHL officiating. Mm-hmm. Um and if you really want to throw them in there, even though it's a different conversation, player safety. But again, different conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah. they, the league just doesn't give explanations. And I was tell, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago, that I think it's the NBA makes, or the NFL, makes officials available at certain times. This would have been a good, ex, a good time to have whoever those officials were uh, just made available for five minutes of questioning. Just, hey, what'd you see? Can we show you what it looked like? Why? Why not? What? What went through? What happened? Um, yeah. And just go from there. What? What's the harm in that? And also, just that's a huge reason why this league is not, you know, really well liked by its fans. Is that these officials yeah. are a missing calls, which again, calls will get missed, but also b not given explanation nor being held accountable. Yeah. Um, it took a ref getting caught on a hot mic to really, you know put more stuff into light, and it's still not changing. So that's the piece on it. Regardless, at the end of the day, how about this? Tristan Jari's going to make that save, but also B, well, I- an explanation would be nice.
1: Yeah, I'll do you one better. Not just does Tristan Jari need to make that save. Eric Carlson needs to switch and pick up that player, at least divert Philip Forsberg. Don't give him a direct line to the front of the net, because I don't think even if Crosby wasn't interfered with, Uh, By Ryan O'Reilly, I don't think he would have caught Philip Forsberg. I don't think he would have seriously been able to make a play on Philip Forsberg. Maybe he would have been able to be on his back a little bit more, a little bit more pressure. He wouldn't have been in as home free, but I still think Forsberg would have gotten a breakaway. I still think Forsberg probably would have ended the game um, at 14 seconds into the third or into the overtime, excuse me. But, you know, we digress. The Penguins move on. They look to try to get two points against the Tampa Bay Lightning later tonight. They do get a standings point against the National Predators in that, and I think Tristan Jari does deserve some credit for that because he was stellar once again in the third period for the second straight game, making some timely saves there. And then, of course, you know, we saw what happened in overtime. We talked about what happened in overtime. But a goal that came earlier in that performance came from Evgeny Malkin. And I thought it was a very important goal for Malkin and for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Smith to Malkin, the first time we've seen that in probably close to a month, to be yeah. completely honest. At least that connection in the way that they were able to capitalize and beat UC Soros. That finally ends his drought. He had been scoreless in five of the previous six games. The one goal that he did have in that stretch was the empty netter that ended Sidney Crosby's uh, point streak at that point. So it's nice to see him and Smith connect on a goal, but I still don't think he had the best performance against Nashville. Even with the goal, he struggled throughout most of that game, and not just talking about that one shift where he got absolutely pummeled and it led to the John Ludwig fight. He was the only Penguins line, the second line of Malkin, Smith, and Drew O'Connor, that had under 50% of the shot attempts against Nashville. They were outchanced 6-3. to three. At five on five, and Malkin himself created or credited with three giveaways on the night. I, I think the Penguins, at the end of the day, look at Evgeny Malkin. I think Evgeny Malkin looks in the mirror and knows that he's not giving his best performance right now, that the Penguins need more from him, and he needs more from himself.
0: He does. Uh, we all do need that. Everyone needs more of Evgeny Malkin, especially better of Evgeny Malkin. He knows he can be better. He has said he can be better. Um, and he's taken things very seriously to still be the dominant force he was 10 years ago, five years ago, even earlier this season. Um, He's taken those proper steps to get there. I kept, I keep saying that the chemistry between him and Riley Smith is, it's definitely still there. Yeah. Um, Like that has not faded one bit. It's just the finishing ability has kind of gone kaput. And you know, you're right. One goal doesn't make a, you know, make a heat, make everything better you know it might open the floodgates a little bit we don't know we're about to see the second game after this i mean it's yeah. really what helped riley smith um arrive in pittsburgh he scored that first goal and then the avalanche happened we saw him you know score a couple more really formed that great chemistry with malkin it all kind of you know showed up for him finally maybe malkin has that same situation but i think for right now He knows he needs to be better. Everyone knows he needs to be better. Mike Sullivan will continue speaking highly of him, as you're supposed to do with a future Hall of Famer (laughs) near the end of his career. Perfectly fine. You're supposed to speak highly of him. You know he's going to take it seriously. Everyone on this team, it seems, is a veteran presence that knows what it takes to win and has the ability to still do it. We know Malkin does. I mean, 19 points in 21 games. You would have told us five years ago. I mean, five years ago, Malkin was not in a great place um injuries piling up points not coming but if you would have told us five years ago let's go six seven eight years ago that a 37 year old of guinea malkin had 19 points in 21 games we'd be taking it because you never know what you're going to get out of a 37 year old Mm -hmm. um but there's something different about this where that long lengthy uh pointless drought scoreless drought all of it piles up and you know he's lucky to still be at 19 points through 21 games, just a little bit under a point per game.
1: Yeah, you look at what the point production has dipped to. In the first 10 games of the season, Evgeny Malkin had 13 points, 7 goals, and 6 assists, including 5 points on the power play. In his last 11 games since then, so about a 50-50 split on the season so far, 6 points, 3 goals, 3 assists, like I mentioned, one of those being the empty netter against the Vegas Golden Knights, and his shots have dropped too. First 10 games, he had 32 shots on goal. Last 11, he has only 21, and his power play production has has dropped off the face of the earth, as has the rest of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He went from five points on the power play in the opening 10 games to only one point, and that being an assist on the power play in the last 11. Now, you look at Evgeny Malkin, for better or for worse, he is what many consider to be the heartbeat of that unit. He's the guy that takes most of the one-timers. He's the guy that carries the puck second most behind Eric Carlson. He's also the guy that turns the puck over the most on the power play. So a lot of the power play issues can be attributed to Evgeny Malkin, but I think that as a whole, if his game improves and steps up that's going to go a long way in getting the Pittsburgh Penguins to score a lot more because right now goal scoring is the issue it's not the defense it's not the goaltending over the past couple of weeks it's been the goal scoring and a big part of that is Evgeny Malkin
0: yeah and even without the goal scoring you talk about the power play and I'll keep harping on the keep harping on having Latang and Carlson share a blue line on there yeah and this is one thing that I've noticed this is a small minute detail and I'm sure it's I'm sure it's just coincidence But whenever an opposing penalty kill gets the puck, it almost always seems like they're getting it out past Malkin on the blue line. They're not throwing it toward Carlson. They're always throwing it toward Malkin because either A, let's be real, he's Evgeny Malkin. Sometimes that effort is not there to keep it in. It's just not. Um, B, he's not as good with... he's He's definitely just not as good with keeping pucks in on a blue line. He's not... He's never really practiced it, so he's not really trained to... Get a body in front of it. Doesn't have that kind of hand-eye coordination <clears throat> to sort of, you know, bat it out of the air and keep it in. That's something that Chris Letang, on the other hand, though, excelled at. there's one thing I've really noticed in these power plays from last year to this year. Um, that without Chris Letang on that top unit, on that blue line, pucks are flying out a lot more often. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying take Malkin off the top unit. You might have to in the situation if you want to keep everything else the same. Um, but for the sake of keeping those pucks in the zone and maybe salvaging an extra opportunity you need someone like another defenseman out there who can just knock those pucks out of the air knock those clearing attempts like you said some of them there's nothing you can do about it. no one's getting them right but mm-hmm. there are certain ones because it's malkin it's always sort of you know a half of an attempt sort of given to kind of reach a stick out or yeah. not really throw your body in front Like it's the little things i implore you to try and take a look at that next game. Uh yeah. just cuz it's all it seems to always be toward Malkin. Maybe yeah. it's happenstance, but I mean if I'm an opposing penalty kill, that's what I'm looking for.
1: Yeah, the, the scouting report says send it out past Malkin. First is yeah. trying to send it out past a guy like Eric Carlson, who is again phenomenal at trying to keep the puck in. But I, I don't, I, I don't want it to sound like we're we're harping on just Mark, Malkin because that right. second line as a whole. Let, let, let's look at it from a, a whole standpoint because it's not all on him. I mean, he right. was carrying an ice cold Ricard Raquel through the opening month of the season, and, and Mike Sullen was not giving him any any chance to breathe with that. Raquel was staple gun to that top line that second line, excuse me, the entire season with no changes being made. And even with the injury, who got the better of the the line mates? It it was Sidney Crosby. It was, you know, let's give Alex Nylander to Evgeny Malkin, somebody who has not succeeded at the NHL level in multiple years. And then also you see Brian Russ come back, and we talked about it on Tuesday. We said, okay, maybe put Brian Russ with Evgeny Malkin because O'Connor's been working well. And yes, I I do think O'Connor at this point, I'm excited to see what he's able to do as time goes forward because I think O'Connor has put together a pretty good season no matter what line he's played on. So I'm excited to see what he and his capabilities and his forechecking and his aggressiveness is going to do for Malkin, what it's going to open up because that's what O'Connor does is he opens up the ice because of the way that he plays the game. So I'm excited about that. But, you know, it's not all on, of getting Malkin and it's not all on him scoring either. I, I think that's the biggest thing is, People are going to listen to this and say, oh, you want him to go back to scoring over a point per game? And yes, that would be nice. But what I'm looking for is just a minim- uh, like a minimization of bad turnovers, right? This guy is a Hall of Famer. This guy is one of the greatest Pittsburgh Penguins of all time. And he feels the need to carry the load on his shoulders, which that's great. I mean, you want to put a lot of pressure on yourself. That's what makes Diamonds, and that's what's made of Evgeny Malkin great in his career, particularly when Sidney Crosby's been injured. But he's on pace for his second straight season with 100 giveaways. That's not good. That is not good. He has 26 on the season. Eight of the 26 are on the power play. You want to talk about one of the reasons the power play is struggling? That's one of them right there. They give the puck away way too easily. There was a a play in the last game where Malkin rimmed it around. It came to Crosby, and Crosby rimmed it right back around, and somebody in Nashville picked up on that. And they picked off the play, and it was an easy out. You need to make smarter plays on the power play in particularly, but in general, I think Evgeny Malkin really needs to limit the turnovers. Like I mentioned, he was credited with three against Nashville, and it was evident when you watched the game too that a lot of the time the puck was on the stick of Evgeny Malkin in his own zone, he turned the puck over.
0: Yeah, it's part of the huge letdown of what Malkin's been bringing in, and it's not that it's a letdown. I mean, he had a great season last year. I didn't even realize he had a hundred turnovers last year.
1: Hundred and five um, last year. What was that? Hundred and five last year. Sorry. Ooh.
0: Ah. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't realize. He, I didn't realize that's what the number was. Regardless, it's um, not ideal, especially for someone you have out on the on the ice so much in so many different situations. Um. It's part of the game for him, which is something that just needs to be minimized. Finding those points is huge, but also maintaining that possession is even bigger sometimes, especially whenever, especially if you can play with a line that can help you produce too. Like we said, we we saw the chemistry and we still see the chemistry with Riley Smith and Riley Smith can't produce in his own right. You got to give him someone else though. I mean, Raquel was, wasn't technically, I guess, still is ice cold on the year, No goals. Neilander, we know can't finish. We just, I just looked at it. he's played twelve games with this team, three points. Mm-hmm. That's not what we expect Whenever we saw fifty points in the AHL last year, yeah. Um, and you know, as good as Drew O'Connor is, that there's just I don't think he's ever played with them, so they they have to build something still. There's still that's something that needs to be sparked before that can really work out. And for what it's worth, Drew O'Connor in these twenty one games, five points. I mean. He plays the position well. He does his job properly, but again, that that feels like a Willie or, uh, an Alex Neilander thing. Can he finish actually? I mean, yeah, I think O'Connor two... brings more, but yes. Yeah. Definitely brings more. He brings more of the uh more of the tenacity, more of the he's going to utilize his speed and he's going to utilize his um, drive for the puck and maybe drive to the net a little more, but he's not going to bring in He's not going to bring in a boatload of goals. He's just not, I think that finishing ability isn't there until it is. And I, he's kind of always been a depth forward in my eyes, but if he's able to play that role on the first line of Crosby, it's a little different, uh, the Dom Simone effect, but with Malkin, it's, you could never put Dom Simone with Malkin. No, it's just, that's just not the way it works. So <clears throat> this goes for O'Connor. He just <clears throat> That's the kind of thing. just wouldn't work. Um, and it's up to Malkin himself. He knows he's good. We all know he's good. Coaching staff knows he's good. T- uh, organization knows he's good. Everyone knows he's good. ESPN yeah. and the league really don't. Um, but everyone Anybody else, making
1: a list does know he's yeah. good.
0: But everybody else is aware of it. Everyone else is aware of how good he is. And it's just now up to him to refine that rhythm. Maybe certain, certain changes need to be made. But um, I think we're all also confident he'll get there.
1: Just yeah. a matter of time. There's ebbs and flows in the National Hockey League season and a player that's 37 years old that started as hot as Evgeny Malkin did. You don't expect him to carry that throughout the entire 82. Uh, You're just hoping that, you know, whenever he has these lulls, they don't continue, and right now it's continued a little too long, and it's affecting other parts of his game, not just his goal scoring. Like we mentioned in the defensive zone, he had been very good early in the season. He'd be very, he had been very responsible early in the season, Uh, and with the lack of scoring comes a lack of patience, and that patience has turned into turnovers, and that's something the Penguins just cannot afford specifically when the rest of their team is not you know capitalizing on their opportunities on the the man advantage and the opportunities that they have at five on five as well but let's talk a little bit about the bottom six we talked about the second line a little bit let's move over to the bottom six and we'll do that right after the break Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I don't want to say the bottom six is broken for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I just think that there still needs to be some advancement that's made to that unit. Now, when you look at that unit as a whole, a quick breakdown, I think Lars Eller, in my opinion... Larzeller Eller and Nolachari have settled into their roles nicely. I've liked the way that they've played over the past couple of weeks. I think that they've settled in and they've gotten their roles and they're playing their roles to a T at this point. I really like what I've seen from those two. I think Zahorna is starting to fade like we mentioned he typically does. You know, after a couple of games, after a little bit of stretch of really good play, he starts to fade into the back. The circumstances around him have changed. He's moved from the right to the left side. O'Connor's no longer on that line and Harkins just isn't getting it done. Speaking of Harkins... I think he's a liability on the ice. I really do. I know we've only seen him for six games at this level, but the Pittsburgh Penguins can't afford to have him as a third-line winger. Maybe as a fourth-liner in, in a limited role, but Jeff Carter's already taking that role up. So is Matt Nieto. You can't afford to have another guy uh, you know, playing that role, especially on a third line, that you're counting on to help with some offense there. I think he's a liability. I, 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 he's probably going to be in the lineup again because they sent Alex Nylander back. I'm not sure Vinny Henestrosa is that much of an upgrade over Jansen Harkins. I do think that he brings a little bit more stability, a little bit more sensibility to the lineup. I think he's a little bit more comfortable at the NHL level. But again, I think that's a big area of improvement for the Pittsburgh Penguins that they need to look at. And then, like I mentioned, Nieto and Carter, they're contributing, but very little. You know, Matt Nieto at least is a really good penalty killer. Um, I'll give him that. Jeff Carter is contributing more than he did at the beginning of the season, but that bar was set very low to begin with. So, you know, the fact that the Penguins now have somebody in the lineup that is more of a liability than Jeff Carter, uh, that tells you something about the bottom six. You know, it hasn't been horrible, but there do need to be some improvements made.
0: Absolutely. Those centers have settled in nicely. I'll still, I'll still bang the drum that um, Lars Eller is a fourth line center guy. Nolichari can maybe, or maybe Nolichari still holds 4C. Lars Eller moves to a wing, but again, that's in a perfect situation i'd switch them um, i put i put a achari
1: on the wing i think he'd he'd probably uh, perform better but to your point one of the, yeah. those two on the fourth line together with because there's better players above them would be best case scenario
0: yes and I, and i also kind of just threw a chart it'll uh kept a chart center because i don't know how net front duties work in terms of okay. center wing <clears throat> but uh i guess patrick hornquist was the net front guy forever right yeah. so yeah i think those two being on the fourth line is is the ideal situation but again we're not in the ideal situation because those two sharing a fourth line also means maybe matt nieto is not here anymore for some reason maybe i mean obviously that's a completely new third line almost i wouldn't expect as a hornet to survive that sort of thing um maybe drew o'connor's there but he's in the top six right now this bottom six is a it's a weird situation where it's definitely improved i think we can all agree that it's definitely better than what it was last year um but <clears throat> it, we knew going into the year it was gonna be better defensively the scoring is starting to find a little touch you know it's coming from the weird spots of nola um but you know lars ellers we knew we were expecting something there's gonna be it's still not great though how about that that's what it is it's better for sure than it was last year because that was not good in any way shape or form last year uh, but this time around, it is at least better, but still has so much room for improvement.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you look at what happened earlier in the season, one change made all the difference. Four games into the season, the bottom six looked putrid, and the one change was they brought up redeem Zahorna. Now, Zahorna it has faded a little bit. Whether or not he can swing back up, that's a different question. We haven't seen him get that much of an extended look at the NHL level really in his entire career. So is he able to bounce back? Is he able to continue with the ebbs and flows of the season? We've said that a lot on this episode. You know, that's uh, that's something that is yet to be determined. But that was the change earlier in the season. What could that change even be at this point? I mean, you could switch out Harkins for henestroza to start because, like I said, I don't, I don't think Jansen Harkins, at least at this point, present time is gonna get the job done at this point especially in a third line role do I think Henestrosa is you know picture perfect for a third line role either no but I do think that he would be uh at least a step up over what Jansen Harkins has brought over the past you know over
0: the six games he's played this season and particularly what he brought on Tuesday against the Preds so here's the real fun thing about Redeem Zahorna if slash when he uh, files into the lineup tonight against Tampa Bay, that'll be a career high in the games played in a single season at 18. Um, he whenever he played 17 and 21, 22, he also had only six points. So he's on his pace. He is on his pace of 17 games, six points. He's got the extra goal this time around. He's a three and three rather than a two and four. Um, but the other aspects of his games that he's shooting the puck a hell of a lot more he has 28 shots on goal this year we're in those 17 games before he only had nine Mm. so the stats are weird he was a plus 12 that year by the way wild (laughs) considering he only had six points but hey um just a plus one right now again so that stat doesn't mean too much Mm -hmm. but you can tell he's carrying a bit more confidence he's obviously getting more time on ice but as he is about to enter his you know, career high in games played in a single season, this is really where now it becomes totally unknown. What can he actually be uh, with a little more consistency? And that's so far. Like we, like I mentioned, he's on his pace. Six mm-hmm. points in seventeen games. That's what he is as a player. It seems you know nearing. He's twenty-seven. So this, there's no more real room for growth. Almost. Mm-hmm. We'll see if this is the sort of thing that persists again in a perfect lineup and in a perfect world for this team. He's not in it really. You know, he was a huge help when he came in. Yeah. Um, but it's, it almost seems as if there are other names around the league and around, not necessarily in the, on the team right now that would take up, take Mm -hmm. him over on a consistent basis. Um, but if you make the certain changes, you assume certain slides happen. He eventually falls out. That being said, we'll just see what we get. I just not sure what it'll be yet. We'll find out. And as for Harkins, just jumping back to that, you're right. Liability. Yeah. Um. With Zahorna, because I think we both agree on Harkins. We don't need to waste any more yeah. breath
1: or time on that. Um. With Zahorna, too, you know, he's six foot six. I wish he would just play like it a little bit you know yeah, <laughs> like right. play a little <laughs> bit more physical my guy I mean that's the thing it's not his game he's 27 years old he's not going to grow that physicality or that want for for physicality anytime soon but you just you know he does battle he does use the stick very well he's great when it comes to the forecheck and the backcheck check when you with using his extension and using his you know his long wingspan and the ability to to disrupt passing lanes but you know I just wish he would use that six six frame a little bit more because you know he's technically in a grinder role right like He's in a third-line, fourth-line grinder role, and he, he just doesn't have a lot of that sandpaper to him. So, you know, I don't think that I'd go as far as to say, like, in, a, in an ideal situation, he's not in the lineup. I do think that he's an NHL-caliber player. Uh, but I think that cons- consistency, which is what makes a lot of NHL players from you know decent to good I think he's missing that in his game and that's something that you know maybe with time this year like you mentioned it's going to be his career high games played in a season if he well, when he suits up later tonight because there's no way he's coming out of the yeah. lineup but you know maybe that's what it is it's like he's just never played at this level for this long and he just needs to find that consistency and he gets that through playing through it Um, he's going to get the opportunity because you know looking at the AHL right now I don't know if there's very many other options right now that come up and really vastly improve this bottom six. Uh, Rem of the house, Pitlick, I think he's had a pretty good season down there, but a lot of his points are on the power play. And that's a little concerning when he's not going to play, you know, he might get on the power the second power play unit, but we talked about it on Tuesday. We don't care about the second power play unit. We don't want that unit to have to be, you know, leaned upon. We want the first unit to be able to score goals in the first minute, or at least be able to create enough you know energy in the first couple of minutes that it, the second power play unit is is rendered almost useless. So, you know, Rempitlick may be an option at least offensively. Uh, they didn't like him in the preseason when it came to his all around style of play. So they're hoping that he picks that up in the AHL. We don't know. Uh, Jonathan Gruden is a guy that is unproven at the NHL level. He has pretty decent numbers at the AHL. He also has a lot of penalty minutes. Is that something? You know, is that a Pandora's box that you want to open at the NHL level? I, I think not. So I went digging, because this year there's an abnormal amount of veterans on the free agent market as the season started, and I'm not going to say Phil Kessel. I went out and found a name, and I want to get your opinion, I want to get the listener's opinion, so let us know on on YouTube, I just recently found out because I signed up for Spotify for Podcasters, which I didn't know I had access to, you can leave an answer or a comment on Spotify, and we can go back and look through it, uh, so if you listen there, Thank you. Hundred sixteen of you are have us as your number one podcast, which is pretty cool. I meant to say that off the top, so thank you if you have us as your number one podcast on Spotify. But I want your reaction to this listener Horwat, everybody that's uh, everybody that's tuned in and listening to my voice right now. What do you think about Josh Bailey?
0: I knew you were going to say Josh Bailey. Really? Um. Uh. Whenever I did Whenever you told me before the show started, I because you didn't say the name. I forgot he was a free agent, kind of forgot the name. Mm -hmm. And then as you started talking about it more, wait, Josh Bailey's still available. Yeah. Um, That's a name that I even glanced at prior to the season starting. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he brings that New York Islanders mentality that genuinely uh, the Penguins need in their depth, which is they're going to shut you down. There's zero doubt they're going to shut you down. Mm-hmm. And shut offenses down every way to Monday. But then also, it especially Josh Bailey. Oh, he's going to sneak a few. He's going yeah. to sneak especially against <laughs> rival teams. Yeah. Spe- especially against teams within the division. He'll be great in practice. Be phenomenal <laughs> on scoring on the Penguins. So it'll piss everyone off. Yeah. Um that's and that's one I would have to dig deeper into. Tell you what, mm-hmm. I don't hate the idea. Don't have yeah, the he, idea. How old is he again? He's
1: thirty-three years old right now.
0: Hey, you know what? We it just, would be a, it would be quite a, a thirty-three-year-old Eric Carlson. So it's yeah. not like
1: he'd be the oldest one on the on the team. No, not by not by a large margin. And you're already the oldest team in the NHL by average. So what's another thirty-plus year old? But um, I I do think. You know, you look it up, he didn't resign with the Isles after the season. He did go to Ottawa on a PTO, was released before the season started. That doesn't seem like a team that he would fit in with anyway. That's a team that likes to play a heavy speed game. The Penguins are playing more and more like the New York Islanders this season. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe a guy in Josh Bailey who's played... In a bottom six role on a team like that, that values defensive hockey like the Penguins do in their bottom six, like they've tried to value as the season has gone on, especially, you know, just trying to win these games two to one, three to two. That's what the Penguins have been playing this season. And maybe a player like, you know, Josh Bailey, who has scored 60 goals, 203 points in 342 games over the past five seasons. You know, not only that, he plays center. Plays left wing. He plays right wing. He has that versatility that Mike Sullivan loves. He can play the penalty kill, which is huge. The Penguins loved having a stockpile of penalty killing forwards. Josh Bailey would add to that. And he's a second power play guy. You know, maybe you bump a guy like Jeff Carter off the second power play. You add a guy like Josh Bailey, who, yeah, he doesn't fill the back of the net 20, 25 times. But more often than not, he scored more than 10 goals a season in his NHL career. He had eight last season in 64 games. So I think that if you're looking on that market, I don't know how long Ricard Raquel is going to be out, but I doubt it that Josh Bailey is going to cost too much money for a one-year deal to come in here for half of a season or three-quarters of a season. You could probably get him for somewhere around $1 million, which will make it easier to fit him under the NHL salary cap, even when a guy like Ricard Raquel comes back. You would just have to send back like a, a Jansen Harkins to probably make up most of that salary.
0: Yeah, you would. Sorry, I was looking at cap friendly, trying to get some yeah, details on things. Uh, but it, when it comes to Josh Bailey, I, I mean, there's just there's no. I mean, if we're learning anything, Patrick Kane just signed a deal for about two million dollars, a little over two million dollars for a year. Two two point seven five, yeah, in Detroit. <sighs> almost th- okay, so almost three. Josh Bailey's yep. not going to cost Patrick Kane money, even yep. if this is a very real weaker situation with Patrick Kane, where I don't think he's going to last. But that's, again, not here, not what we're talking about. But the comparison of the deal, at least, is Josh Bailey wouldn't cost that much, and that's an affordable nope. deal. Under $3 million for Patrick Kane is an extremely affordable deal, even at his state. Josh Bailey could come in at a mil, a little over maybe, just because he's got some pedigree to him. This cat-friendly, uh, or not cat-friendly, his hockey reference says, I mean, I don't. I'm, that's what I was trying to find, like, his salary from last year. Uh, that is current cap hit again probably just from last season 2.6666 repeated That's mm-hmm. I mean that's not it's not gonna be that but no it's that's a, even that like let's say <clears throat> all things neutral that's still a decent number all yeah. things considered so <clears throat> if Cal Dubas is willing to make that sort of jump if he's willing to make that sort of change to the lineup that's a real 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 fun option.
1: Yeah, I think it's a a good option for the Pittsburgh Penguins if they're trying to look outside the organization to help supplement this bottom six. Because like we mentioned, you know, Eller has performed well. This is really a similar situation to Lars Eller. You know, somebody who is aging but still plays a pretty good style, strong on the defensive side of the puck, and can contribute on the offensive side. I mean, it it fits the mold that Kyle Dubas has looked for in his bottom six, particularly on his third line. And imagine a third line of O'Connor, Lars Eller and Josh Bailey. I, I think that is a upgrade over what you've seen, and that does allow you to do, like what, like you said, Horwath, bump, redeems a Hornet down. Maybe that, you know, bumps Jeff Carter out of the lineup. Maybe that just bumps a horna out of the lineup all entirely. I mean, when healthy, of course, because Ricardo Raquel would be the guy that would go in the top six to bring Drew O'Connor down, but, like, uh, you know, I, I think this would be... A good move for the Pittsburgh Penguins, in my opinion. Like I said, uh, let me know in the comments what you think about the Penguins potentially adding Josh Bailey. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are just going to simply look at his age and deny it, but I implore you. implore you. You, you mentioned the word earlier. I wanted to use it. Uh, I implore you to look beyond the the age and mm-hmm. look at the player behind it because I think he could be a value to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, hey, Pens play the Isles twice in December, so maybe you get a little scouting report there, and maybe he turns the tables on the New York Islanders uh, in the matchup with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But like we mentioned, they play the Islanders twice in December. We're going to have a December preview for you right after this break.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation,
1: we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Everybody to get 30, 30, you get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by inside the penguins.com mentioned we're gonna have a December preview we also mentioned at the beginning of November, how much things can change month to month in October the Pittsburgh Penguins went three six and zero, and they were in dead last in the Eastern Conference at the end of that one, they are currently seven four and one with tonight's game withstanding. In the month of November, so certainly a better month. They've performed better in general, even some of their losses. But December is a pivotal month in the NHL calendar. And You know, we can say it every single time. You could say, oh, this is a pivotal stretch. This is an important stretch. But you look at December, it's always a month that creates separation. If you look at the Eastern Conference standings, and we talked about this before we, we came on and recorded, the top eight teams in the wildcard race are separated by four points. Yes, the Pittsburgh Penguins sit in eighth place in that wild card race right now. But you look at the schedule that's coming up for them, it is a great opportunity to climb that ladder, a ladder that the rungs are not so far away. Right, (laughs) Four points is two wins, and when you're playing these teams head-to-head, it's a great opportunity to move up and get yourself in a better position. We mentioned they play the the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. They have a home-and-home with the Philadelphia Flyers coming up over this weekend. Then they have the Tampa Bay Lightning again next week, and then you look at who they play next month. The Islanders twice, who are in that mix. The Panthers the Montreal Canadiens, the Ottawa Senators, the Toronto Maple Leafs, all of these teams are in that mix. And when you get that many games against teams that are all in the mix, it's a really good opportunity for you to position yourself really well by the time New Year's rolls around.
0: It is. It's a great, great jumping off point for this. And if you want to make things even not only say easier, but even closer and more attainable for the Penguins is take that wild card ranking out of this conversation, considering they're both uh, Atlantic teams right now. The Penguins are three points. That's a game and a half. That's a game. And a, that's a win and an overtime loss back from the Washington Capitals in third in the division. They could Caps jump two past games in hand though. Still. I mean, I'm l- yeah. looking at pure points, you know, it's still early in the season. I've got to worry about wins percentage or games in hand quite yet. Um, uh, just looking at the pure points of it, Penguins have 21 at that with their 10-10 and one. Mm-hmm. Washington Capitals 11-6 and two 24. That's attainable. That's three points right there Like I said, that's a win and an overtime loss that you could easily jump into. Obviously, you said two games in hand. Yes, but we're not worried about that at the moment. It's it is still November for the time being. You could jump into the Capitals' position third in the division pretty mm-hmm. quickly, just with how tight it all is. Um. And because it is still so early, you know, I asked Ryan Graves about this. They're not looking around the division, really. They're still just trying to focus on their own game, let everything else sort itself out. If they are able to stack those wins the way they want to, they can then kind of open the page and say, all right, where are we? Oh, look, we're in a pretty good position, Mm -hmm. despite maybe the record still being sort of mediocre. That's a good spot to be in where if they just focus on their own game, play their way, let other teams handle themselves, let other teams handle the situations in front of them, then Mm -hmm. maybe the Penguins just kind of sneak into a good spot out of nowhere if everyone's able to keep to themselves for the moment. But that will be hard to do with so many Eastern Conference games coming up. Regardless, Mm -hmm. those are big, though. Those are where you really do have to focus on yourself, collect your wins, and then, oh, hey, we did all of the winning we needed to do. Now we're sitting in a playoff spot and a very good one of that because I said the Capitals are only three points up two more ahead of them one more win second place in the Metro the Carolina Hurricanes mm-hmm. the Rangers are a bit of a different atmosphere right now we'll yeah, the Rangers and, we'll, and, we'll,
1: and the and the Boston Bruins are uh, a couple steps ahead of everybody else in the Eastern Conference right now which I'm not gonna take a victory lap just yet but you know I saw the Boston Bruins having a pretty good season a lot of people called me crazy but uh you know yeah, was I, every once in a while I know some puck but um no you talk about the importance of these Eastern Conference games, and and you are one hundred percent correct. Um, we remember what happened last year; they were chasing the entire season they're mm-hmm. chasing right now, it'd be nice to be in a spot and be the one getting chased for the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, once the calendar flips into 2024. That's that's a massive thing. It's hard to come from outside the picture and beat teams to get above and, and climb past teams. It's easier to get above teams and defend teams off. You know, I know it's not much of a difference at the end of the day. You're just playing the next team in front of you time after time after time, but it means a lot morale-wise, in, in my opinion, when you look at... The NHL, it means a lot morale-wise when you're fending teams off versus trying to fight and claw past them. So you look at December, 13 games in the month, 26 standings points up for grabs. We'll close it out with this, Horwat. How many points do you imagine the Penguins need to position themselves in a good spot at New Year, wherever that may be? In my opinion, I'd like to see them in a playoff spot by the time the ball drops in New York on, on December 31st.
0: With 26 points up for grabs... Bare minimum, you're going to need more than 13. I think that's obvious. Um, I would even push closer to saying you need close to 18, 19, 20, especially to be in a real good spot. Because, again, yeah, <clears throat> we're chasing. The Penguins are chasing. We're in the rear view, though. It's it's right there. It's not like the Penguins are, you know, a couple cars behind. Yeah, They're, images... they're, they're sort <laughs> of right say... there in this traffic jam.
1: Yeah, I was going to say images may be closer than they appear
0: exactly the the words on your rearview mirror that you don't always read are more true than ever here the penguins are right there it's a big traffic jam and don't get me wrong that even the team's kind of behind them we didn't bring up the blue jackets and senators they're kind of right there too the entire east is still a bit up for grabs i mean the senators had genuine playoff aspirations i mean they're a handful of points behind at this point but can still find that still find those legs and make a jump. There's going to be some good teams missing the playoffs yet again. And the Penguins, I don't think it'd be one of them. They're going to need near, I'll stick with say 18 bare minimum for yeah. the month of December.
1: 18 is the number I had. Cause I looked through the schedule and I said, you know what? Nine and four would be where I think they need to be. Yeah. And that gives yeah. them the 18 standings points. And I think that that is an attainable goal when you look at the, the schedule. It's a lot of teams that are in the same position the Penguins are in. So it's not like they ha- are going up against any Goliaths. Not that they haven't you know, performed well against them, uh, i.e. Vegas win, Colorado win, the LA Kings win. So they've performed well against some of the best teams in the league. They just need to find some consistency, and they need to string together a couple winning streaks. I mean, we we saw what they've done this month. They're 7-4-1, and one, but that's on the back of a five-game win streak. To start the month in general so you need to stack a couple win streaks you need to make sure that you avoid those losing streaks of two three four games and you got to just continue to to bounce back whenever you have a down game and the Pittsburgh Penguins they've struggled with that this season I mean they have the one win streak of five games but on each side of that is a three and six October and now you look at what they've done over the past couple of weeks they're two four and one in their last seven games so you need to to get some more winning going if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins but That's going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week with The Tip of the Iceberg, but make sure you tune into The Iceberg Recap, usually the day after a game and also uh, Iceberg To Go, which comes out usually Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, as long as I have something to talk about and uh, have the time to do it because uh, sometimes you just, you know, around this time of year. Work seems to pile up a little bit faster as everybody tries to get everything done before the holidays. But that's it for this one. We'll see you guys next time.